Yeah. Well, it's going to first be our, our church family as they come in. And then if, we, if there's people who we have space after that, then they can, we can invite others. No, there'll just be there'll be somebody there to, from our church that'll identify you as a member of our church or coming for that purpose. There's one for Dearnville campus and there's one for our campus. We don't know, but you can bring whoever you want to bring. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, especially a lost person, you know, I mean, I can have my seat for a lost person. Uh, but we have 224 spots, so we'll be doing good if we fill up 224. You know, so I feel like we're, we'll be comfortable. And if if we have run over, then we could always pay for somebody to go at six o'clock. They're showing at six too. It just wouldn't be our church, so we'll work that out. Anybody who wants to come and see it, and, and we want to help them to be able to to be there. All right, we we've, we've been talking about the concentric circles of concern. We've been talking about how to identify our mission field. I hope you're still working on your survey of your family and your neighbors and your acquaintances all the way out there to person X. Finding out the people that God's put in your life that he wants you to have an opportunity to impact, to love on them, to meet their needs. Then we talked about that once we have found that mission field, and and that's always going to be changing. You're going to meet new people Hopefully, all the time, new friends, and maybe new people in your family, a new baby's been born or something. So that's going to constantly be changing, but as you find your mission field, the first and most important thing you do is to pray for them. And remember, I gave you this little card, uh, this is especially how to pray for people in your, on your, uh, com- in your community uh, mission field, especially about if they don't know Jesus, how to pray for God to bring about the opportunity for you to minister to them. I have these cards up here if you want to pick one up at the end. This is what it says. Lord, make me a channel of love. Give me wisdom. And then, Father, you engineer circumstances in their lives to draw them to you. Be in me boldness to confront them with your love and with your message of forgiveness. That last part is very important. Be in me boldness to confront them with your love and with your message of forgiveness. And so we're talking about uh, praying for them. Intercessory prayer is of utmost importance. And last week, we talked about that once we found them and we're praying for them, our responsibility is to love people. We're to love them in the name of Jesus. And love is meeting needs. So what we're going to be trying to do is people inside of that circle that we're responsible for, we're going to try to find opportunities that we can love them. We can meet needs in their life, whereby that would become a bridge of opportunity for us to walk over to talk to them about Christ and to encourage them about their spiritual journey. So we talked a good bit last week about loving people and what it means to meet people's needs. This week I want to talk to you about overcoming barriers. Just think about that for just a moment. Whenever you hear, and, and just be honest, you know, don't, don't try to be super spiritual, even though you're the Wednesday night crowd, okay? Just really be honest. When, when, when you hear about that you need to share the gospel with somebody, 
that you need to confront somebody with the gospel and ask them whether your family member or that golf buddy or work associate or your neighbor across the fence, that you, you need to confront them with the gospel. What, what, does, that, what does that elicit in you? What, what does it bring in you? To, does it just make you so excited? That you, man, I can't wait to get out there, sick them to a bulldog. We, I, I can't wait to go tell Or Is that what we feel or are we apprehensive about it a little bit? We're a little bit intimidated about that. And How many of us know we're supposed to be sharing, we're supposed to be telling the good news, but something keeps us from doing that? There are barriers. There are barriers that we have to overcome in order to share the gospel. Isn't that true? And so let's talk about a few of those barriers. The first barrier, you write it down, I think everybody would almost agree to this, but the first barrier that you have to overcome is fear. You have to overcome fear. You have to overcome the fear of either failure, failure, you're afraid that you're going to do it wrong, you're afraid you're not going to be able to, know what to say or how to say it or how to present it. or So you're afraid of failure. Or you can be, and this is a big one too, you can be afraid of rejection. In other words, one of our great fears is that I'm going I'm to go and I'm going to share the gospel of Christ with somebody. And when I share the gospel of Christ, they're going to say they're not interested in it. They're just not interested in that. Well, Well, let me go ahead and just... Ease your mind about that. Somebody will say that, okay? But, but, but you're not responsible for that. All you're responsible for is, is being a faithful instrument to do what God tells you to do, and you have to leave the results to Him. Amen? You have to leave the results to Him. Not every person that you share the gospel with is going to immediately be saved. They're not. This is a work of God. And God sometimes has to work on somebody a while. And so not everybody is going to respond, but that doesn't mean that you failed. You did exactly what God wanted you to do. You're obedient to what God told you to do. And now whatever their response is, that's between them and God. right? So don't be shocked that somebody will reject when you present the gospel. Don't let it hurt your feelings. Don't let it make you feel like you failed. Just know that you've done your part and pray for God to, God to take and to use that seed and to plant that seed, to water that seed for somebody's heart to be changed. So that's going to happen. Don't fear failure either. I, I, don't, I don't know that you can fail if you, under the grace of God, are trying to be obedient in doing what God told you to do. You may fail in regard to what you think was your system of telling the gospel. You might feel like, I didn't do a very good job of that. But let me tell you something. Sometimes when you, when you do the worst job possible, God saves a soul. <laughs> I, I can't explain that. I mean, so I, I've shared the gospel before, and I thought, wow, how in the world could anybody get saved? But I couldn't even get saved by that only to have that person respond to the gospel because it's the work of God. I've had other times that I've shared the gospel and I thought anybody ought to get saved from that. That's the best presentation gospel I've ever heard that I've ever done. Only 
for that person to not respond to the gospel. And in both of those cases, you are reminded, or at least I am reminded, this is God's work, not mine. This is God's work, not mine. I'm I'm not called to bring about the results. I'm called about to be faithful to share. And so I don't think you can fail if out of a loving heart you're trying to present the gospel. God has a way of turning that all around and for somebody to hear exactly exactly what they need to hear in order to accept Christ. Now, let's talk about the reason that we're sometimes full of fear. And, and, And first of all, let me give you a scripture that will help us know we don't have to be afraid. It's in 2 Timothy 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. Now, this is what it says. For God has not given us a spirit of timidity or fear, but of power and love and discipline. Okay? God has not given us a spirit of what? Of fear. So, so whenever that fear creeps up in our heart and that fear creeps up in our life, that, that's not of God. That's, that's, not what, that's not what the Lord's going to put there, okay? That, that's us. That's our old flesh. That's the old enemy trying to battle us on that front. But that's not us. He rather has given us a spirit of power, love, and discipline. And you say, well, what does that make a difference? Well, you, everything, that, everything the Word of God says, you just claim it, amen? <laughs> just claim it. For instance, if I go out here and, I, and I'm going to share the gospel and I'm knocking on that door and I feel fear creep up into my heart, what am I supposed to do? Just let the fear stay there? What am I supposed to do based on that verse of Scripture? What should I do? I should pray and do what? I should claim what that said. Lord, I feel fear in my heart and I know that's not of you. I know that's my whole flesh, that's... That's the old enemy trying to keep me to do something. I know this fear is not of you. Give me, give me love, give me discipline, give me power to do what I need to do. I mean, all, all you're doing is saying what I feel is not of the Lord because the Word says it's not of the Lord. So you don't have to let p- fear paralyze you. Now, why are, we, why are we fearful? Why are we fearful? Well, if, you, if you've never shared the gospel, and there's some people, I, I guarantee you there's some people here tonight, even the Wednesday night crowd, there's some of you probably who have never shared the gospel. I'm talking about with, with another person told them how to be saved, all right, or, or sought to do that. And if you've never shared the gospel, you're going to have a sense of fear just because we're afraid of the unknown, aren't we? Aren't we all afraid of the unknown? We sure are. I mean, if you ever went to that new job, it's the first time you've been to that job and you don't even know what you're going to be doing. You get a little bit nervous there because that's the first time you're showing up to that job. Yeah. Uh, let me give you a better one. What, what about when you go to have surgery and they're wheeling you out and the doctor says, don't worry, I'll take care of this, but you don't know. Amen? You don't know what the, the unknown is, is. What about death? Uh, the unknown you know you're going to heaven you know heaven's going to be great and wonderful but what about getting there does it make you a little fearful think about how am I going to get there you know I want to sign up for one of those go to sleep 
kind. Just go to sleep, go to glory. Amen? I want to skip, I want to skip all the pain. I'm just a chicken. I don't want pain. I just want to do... <laughs> I can understand that one. All of those, all of those things are the unknown. So if you've never shared the gospel and you're going to go share the gospel the first time, you've never done it. It's something that's unknown to you. So there's a fear there. There's an anxiousness there. But don't be paralyzed by it. Just trust that God is giving you the power. God's going to give you the word. God gives you the love. That's the biggest part. If you love somebody enough that you're talking to them about their eternal destiny, that's far more than the information you're going to share. Do you know that? That you love somebody enough that you care about where they're going to spend eternity. And you can overcome the unknown. Now, for some of you, you've shared the gospel before. But you say, well, I've shared the gospel before, but, but even though I shared the gospel, I still get fearful about that. I still, I still get anxious about that. Well, why is that? Well, the reason we get fearful is not only the unknown, it's also the inexperience. Whenever you don't have that experience all the time. For example, how many of you remember the first time you drove a car by yourself? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I knew we guys, we're macho, you know, we're 15, 16 years old. We're, we're in total control and you're in that car by yourself and nobody's in there with you. You're scared to death. Most anxious thing going over a bridge, trying to stay between the ditches, right? And, and the most you know, intimidating things when you come into a red light and it's green and you're wondering that thing better not turn yellow before I get there. You know what I'm talking about? Now, now after we, after we, David said he goes through them when they're yellow all the time. I heard that, David. But, but after we've driven all the time, and most time for us now, we've driven so much, I drive home and don't remember how I got there. Y'all ever, y'all ever done that? Just trying to drive and just thinking about a hundred other things. I got to the house. How in the world did I get here? You know, because we we're not we don't we're not anxious about that. I don't we don't have fear to go out there. I got to go out there and crank the car. I got to go by myself to work. Nobody's going to be with me. We're not thinking. Why is that? Because we have experience, and the more we have experience doing it, the more comfortable we are in doing it. And so what we have to do is we just have to get to where we share the gospel more readily and, and we do it more often and we do it in a comfortable way and then you can get to where that's just a normal thing. It's a normal process of life. But if you shared the gospel three years ago and, and the next time you share the gospel is this year after three years, there is a chance you're going to be fearful about that. But as you get more experienced, you don't have to be fearful. You can make it just like driving the car where it's a normal thing for you to do. And remember that you do not have, and the spirit of fear is not from the Lord. All right, second, a second barrier, and I want you to listen very carefully to this, a second barrier to sharing the gospel is sometimes our own spiritual condition. You, you, you know what I'm talking about that? Our own spiritual condition. For instance... If we in our lives have unconfessed sin, and we've let sin just pile up in our lives, you know, we just let it pile up, and we haven't taken time to confess our sin before God. Now, know this, we're all forgiven of all of our sin. Amen? Isn't that great? 
Jesus paid the price for every bit of our sin. Past, present, future, all of our sins paid for. But God still tells us to confess our sin, not to have a, but to have fellowship with Him and a closeness with God, okay? Yeah, John 1, 9. Is that 1 John 1, 9? Okay, we have to confess that in order for that to be forgiven, in order for us to have that clear relationship between us and God. And if we don't, and we let that sin build up in our life, that is going to hinder our personal walk with God. And hold on a second. If our personal walk with God is not where it ought to be, then I'm here to tell you, we're not going to be concerned about lost people. We're going to be more concerned about me, about mine, us, us four, no more. We just, we just become selfish because, because we've got that unconfessed sin in our life and that hinders the flow of God. Remember, we're supposed to be a wellspring of water that's coming out of us, living water that the Holy Spirit's producing with us. Remember that? That's who we're supposed to be. And people can come and partake of that. In other words, it's really literally the picture that we live this Christian life and we have the life of God that's flowing out of us to the point that other people who are out here who don't have that relationship with God will come and find that through us. But the way they find it through us is because the living water is flowing through us because we're not being hindered by our sin. By our sin. Uh, do you all have artesian wells in Alabama? Artesian wells? You know what I'm talking about? Mississippi, we have artesian wells everywhere. Artesian wells are wells that you don't have to pump. You don't have to have it. It just flows out. It'll just flow out naturally. Okay, They're all over Mississippi. A guy, an evangelist named Raz Robinson, he was from Mississippi, but he lived in Texas at that time. Raz Robinson talked about that his, in Texas there are no artesian wells. <laughs> you don't have them out there. It's dry out there. But he, he told his family about artesian wells, and they'd never seen anything like that. So he brought his family back to Mississippi, and he took them to a place up on in a farm that he was familiar with where an artesian well was there. And he went and uh, took his kids, and they hiked up here and going to see this artesian well. And he was shocked because he knew that farm. He knew where the artesian well was, and, but it wasn't there. He'd never heard of it, uh, artesian well drying up or anything. It just flowed outside the, outside the side of this hill. It was just there. He couldn't, he couldn't figure out what was going on, but he couldn't find it. He says until he looked and he saw just a trickle of water that came down the side of that hill. And, and, and he watched again a, a little bit later, a trickle of water came down. And he, and he realized what had happened is over a period of time, there's all kind of rocks and brush. It had been uncared for and it had clogged up the artesian well to the point it had so covered it that it was just barely having any water come out of it at all. So... He tells the story that he and his children roll up their sleeves and they go and they start taking out the rocks and the debris. As they take out the rocks and the debris, the water starts coming faster and finally it just bursts forth and it blew it all clean and they said they drank some of the sweetest, coolest water you could drink. He said when he walked back from there, he started thinking that that's exactly, that's exactly what happens in our lives spiritually. You know, we're, we're supposed to be that artesian well that's flowing. But we let sin, those rocks and brush and all that stuff come into our life and clog us up and get us where we don't, we don't let the living water flow. 
And what has to happen is what? We have to remove all those things that stop or hinder that natural flow of the living water. And that is by removing our sin. And basically, we're letting the Lord come in and say, Lord, you just show me what's sin and, and, and you just remove that from me and just take it away and remove it from me. And as that happens, then the living water comes. And the first, one of the first barriers that we have to be careful of is we can't be so full of sin and we haven't taken time to confess our sin that we lose our focus and that people don't find the living water of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Second thing, though, with us personally is not just unconfessed sin. It's the idea of ruptured relationships. You know, that, that can be a big barrier, especially when we're talking about this thing of, of you surveying all the people in your, in your mission field, that family member, that neighbor, that work associate. Is there anybody in there that you have a broken relationship with? A ruptured relationship. Something happened in your family, on the job. Something happened that caused you to part ways, to have words, if not to have attitude, to the point that you can't share the gospel. You couldn't share the gospel with that person because your relationship's broken. And, and I, would like, I wish I could tell you that about 1 in 10,000 people have that happen. But the reality of it is it's in many, many people's lives that there are ruptured relationships with somebody. And that ruptured relationship is going to keep you from sharing the gospel. And therefore, you've got to be willing to make that right. Make it right. With somebody that you had words with, somebody you had a disagreement with, somehow you've got to make that right. Dr. Thompson tells the story of a, a young man named Bill. Bill came into class and he heard about all Dr. Thompson said, making his survey and, and then in that survey to be able to pray for the people and share the gospel with the people and, and, and said Bill was a, kind of an on-fire guy for the Lord and everything else, but, but he came and talked to Dr. Thompson and he said he didn't understand what had happened to him, but as he'd been going through this prayer and all this, he'd just gotten dry. He'd just really gotten dry. He was, he was more complacent in his faith, didn't have anything burning in his heart and, Dr. Thompson met with him, and they talked to me a little bit. He says, well, he says, is there somebody, some situation, or have you got something against somebody, or somebody's got something against you? He says, no, 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 no. He said, nothing's happened recently? He says, no. He said, well, let me ask you this. He says, is there, is there anybody in your past, in your past, that you have a ruptured relationship with? And, and he just stopped right there and looked at Dr. Thompson almost like, well, how did you know that? And he told Dr. Thompson, he said, he said yes, there's somebody. He said, he said, it's my uncle, my dad's brother, my Uncle Ben. He said, you have to understand what happened was my dad and my Uncle Ben, they were in a business together. And my uncle took advantage of my father and ended up with a whole business. My uncle became very wealthy and my dad barely made a living for us to live by. My, my dad and my, my uncle... They had a relationship, and, and, that, and therefore, I, I don't have a relationship with him at all. I've always looked at Uncle Ben and, and despised him for what he did to my family. Dr. Thompson said, well, you know, if you're going to be that life-giving water, if God's going to do something, you've got to get that right. You've got to get that right. 
So he goes away and he prays and he asks God to, to help him and to humble him and he'd be willing to do that. And he comes back and he tells Dr. He says, he said, I can do something now because my heart is right. And he said, well, what, do you, what has God told you to do? He said, I'm going to write my uncle. So he wrote his uncle and in there he, he says, Uncle Ben, I'm here to tell you I'm sorry because I've had ought against you for a long time because of what happened. But I want you to know that I've become a Christian, and in my Christian faith, my Lord won't let me hold that grudge against you anymore. And I want you to forgive me, forgive me for what I've done and what I, how I've acted. His Uncle Ben gets back in touch with him, and they begin to build a relationship one with another. When Uncle Ben's birthday rolled around, he goes, Bill goes and sends him a birthday card. And when he sent him the birthday card, listen, he sent him and the aunt a Bible. Neither one of them were believers. Neither one of them were believers. Sent them a Bible. But Dr. Thompson asked Bill, said, Bill, what happened? What, what did your Uncle Ben say whenever, what, did, did he respond back when you gave him that Bible and gave the card? Hadn't heard anything from him. It went on for weeks. Hadn't heard anything from Uncle Ben. He told Dr. Thompson, he said, I think I messed up. I think I messed up sending that Bible. But a few weeks later, he got a message from his Uncle Ben. His Uncle Ben said, thank you so much for the Bible. And I wanted to thank you for the Bible, but I thought before I thank you, I ought to read the whole thing. <laughs> and so he read, he read the whole Bible, and he said, and by the way, when I read this Bible, I've given my heart to Jesus. I've given my heart to Jesus. Thank you for the Bible. Now, how would he have an opportunity to share in that? Because... He was willing to heal ruptured relationships. If you have a ruptured relationship with somebody, that will be a barrier. Not just a barrier to that person. It will be a barrier to you sharing with other people. God wants us to get right with people. He might allow that person out there who's not one of his children to hold a grudge and to be able to arms distance with somebody, but he's not going to let us as his children do that. He expects us to get right and to be right. Other thing, third thing in regard to our, us being right and our own spiritual condition is you have to have a life of obedience, okay? Trust and obey. There's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. Obedience is important. And, and at a point where you are not obedient, when you become disobedient, you're going you're gonna to hinder the work of God and your opportunity to make an impact until you are willing to be obedient. In other words, when, when God tells you to do something and you say no, remember we don't are ever supposed to say no, Lord. It's always yes, Lord. Amen? It's always yes, Lord. But when we say no and we don't do it, then we're going to have to come back there to get that right. Here's a little rule, all right? A little rule is you have to get on where you got off. Okay? You have to get back on where you got off. Now, what I mean by that? If there's something God told you to do, something God wants you to do, and you were disobedient, you did not do what God told you to do, then you got off. Okay? That's where you, that's where you got off. It says in Colossians, it says, Let the peace of Christ rule in your heart. Let the peace of Christ rule in your heart. That word rule there is the word umpire or referee. You know what it literally means? The peace of God is what referees your life. 
You're going to have peace of God as long as you're doing the right thing. But if you step out or you commit a foul, the referee blows the whistle, stops everything until he gets it right, and then the game starts again. That's the way the peace of God is. Whenever you're living right and you're doing what God wants you to do, you know, obedience, have that peace of God in your life. But whenever you step out of bounds, whenever you've been disobedient, you will lose that peace of God. All right, you'll just lose that. The only way you're going to get that peace of God back is to be obedient where you were disobedient. Now, most of us don't want to do that. Wherever we were disobedient, we want to get on somewhere else. <laughs> okay, Lord, I was supposed to go do that, but I didn't do it. But I'll give $25 more to the missions fund. Uh, no, Lord, I don't want to do this over here, but I will volunteer to be on the Benevolence Committee. See what we do? We're trying to get on where we didn't get off. And God's going to say, nope, where you have to get, where you have to get on is where you got off. And that means you've got to be obedient to where you're disobedient. And, and if we're not obedient, it's going to hinder the flow of God and the witness of God, a barrier to us sharing our faith. Okay, very quickly, I want to show you one other thing. What are the most difficult parts about sharing our faith? The first one is getting started. Isn't that? Isn't that, isn't that a hard part to get started? I mean, have you ever, think about it, man. Have you ever had the opportunity to share your faith or you know the Spirit of God is telling you, you need to say something to that brother, you need to say something to that sister about, about their faith and find out where they stand in a relationship. And you're sitting here thinking, how can I do that? How do I get this started? How do I open that conversation? Well, there's many different ways to do it. That's why one thing, you remember that I have it buttons? COVID came in just to blow that whole thing wide open. I, I, had to, I have it button is, is the best way you'd ever imagine of sharing the gospel because somebody's going to ask you, what do you have? And you say, I have the absolute sure so I died dead. Go to heaven. All right? I mean, you don't have to start. They start for you. And COVID came along to blow that whole thing up. Now I have it means I have COVID. Yeah. We're going to redo that some way and use it because I'm telling you, that's a great, great system of somebody. Out. But how do you get started? How do you get started? That's one of the things you need to work on, all right? You need to find out how do you just normally get started. There's easy ways to do it. I mean, just talk to that person. You ever talk to them about the weather? You ever talk to them about sports? Well, talk to them about their life. I mean, what, what better thing to say, you know, you're my friend. And I, I, I love being with you, and I like to play golf with you. I like to do this same thing. And, and I've enjoyed being with you, but I, I wanna be, I'd like to know I'm going to be with you forever. I'd like to know we're going to be friends forever. And, and I know I am because I gave my heart to Christ when I was 15 years old. Have you ever done that? Have you ever given your heart to Jesus? Wow. Did you know many people have never been asked that in their whole life? Never been asked whether or not they've given their heart to Jesus. Right? Find it. What's the second most important thing, our most difficult thing? Not only how do you get started, how do you end? How do you get started? How do you end it? Well, what you're hoping to do in ending, you're hoping they're going to say, yeah, I want to give my heart to Jesus. So what does that mean? You need to ask them. <laughs> I mean, you go through the whole plan. Of, I've seen people go through the whole plan of salvation, tell them Jesus died on the cross, paid the price. If you believe in Jesus, then you'll be in heaven forever. Stop right there. Never ask them. 
What's the next thing? Hey, would you like to do that? Would you like to ask Jesus to come into your heart? I, I, can, I can help you do that. I mean, we, we give them all the information, but we don't ever help them to do it. And you can have all the information and still be lost. That person has to pray, talk to God, ask God. How do, how do you do it? Know how to pray with them, okay? Now, I want to tell you something. Making it simple. How many of you have ever seen the four spiritual laws? Put out by Campus Crusade for Christ. Greg Laurie, who wrote that book, tells someone that the women are going through on Wednesday night. He's a great preacher. He's a pastor out in California. As a matter of fact, this uh, movie on the Jesus Revolution, he's the teenager in there who gets saved. You'll see him in there, Greg Laurie. But Greg Laurie t- talks about when he got saved as that teenager, he knew he was supposed to go share the gospel. And all he had was these four spiritual laws. And, and he said he went up to a lady on the beach, an older lady, and said, uh, just went up to her and said, do you have time for me to talk to you? I, I, I want to talk to you about, about this thing I've got. This is about four spiritual laws. And he, and he said when he, he goes up there, he said he couldn't do anything but just read it. He just opened the first page. First law, he says, was God loves you and offers a, a wonderful plan for your life. And, and he said, that, you know, the second law is man is sinful and separated from God. Therefore, he he got, he got, he's just reading the booklet to her. He, he doesn't know anything about sharing the guy. He's just reading that booklet all the way through and, and gets over there to the point where you're supposed to ask, would you, would you like to receive Jesus? And he thought, there ain't no way this woman's going to get saved. But he was, it, this older woman was sitting there listening to him, and, and whenever she, he got to that point, she said, yeah, I've never done that. I'd like to do that. And he said he was just shocked to death that she wanted to do that. So he goes that next page. You know what this little booklet does? It actually gives you a prayer to pray. I mean, you, you can say that, say, well, just pray this prayer after me. And you just pray that prayer. And they pray that prayer. And, 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 and they get saved. In other words, you won't ever find a simpler way to present the gospel than that. And you just need, if you, if you never present the gospel, if you want to know it make you feel more comfortable, just carry that around. And I say, I, I've heard about these four spiritual laws. Do you know about the four spiritual laws? Let me tell you about that. I'm, I'm going to read them to you and me both, okay? So we're going to read it and go through it with them. Some people, that's, that's all they needed. They, they've never heard that. We act like everybody has heard the gospel. The vast majority of people have never heard the gospel. Never had anybody on a one-to-one basis tell them about Jesus. Make it simple. Make it simple. Final thing is this. What is a barrier? What's the final barrier? Hold on a second. You need to hear this one. One of the barriers is that we sometimes think that ministry is for the, quote, professionals. There are no professional ministers. Do you understand that? There are no. We are all ministers. Everyone, you are a minister just like I'm a minister. And do you know when your ministry started? The day you got saved. The day you got saved, you, Jesus called you to be his minister. And you're a minister wherever you go. Seminary students, Dr. Thomas said, seminary students in his class, he'd say, man, when I get out and I graduate and I start my ministry, he'd tell them, you're not supposed to be starting your ministry when you graduate from seminary. 
You're supposed to start your ministry when you gave your heart to Jesus. When you gave your heart to Jesus. The moment Jesus comes into your heart, your ministry begins. So to the question, who is in the ministry? You are in the ministry. Who's to share the gospel? You are to share the gospel. Overcome barriers that are built up by us, built up by the enemy to try to give us excuses or give us reasons or somehow to keep us from being involved with what God wants us to be involved with. The most exciting day of your life is the day you ask Jesus in your heart. The second most exciting, and I'm telling you, it runs really close to first. It's when God uses you to see somebody else come to know Jesus. When, when, you, when you have the privilege of seeing somebody else pray and ask Jesus come into their heart, I, that's just as exciting as getting saved. I'm telling you. Just as exciting as getting saved. And you have people in your mission field, in your home, your family, your neighborhood, your work, who need to be told, who need to be shared, who need to be loved on. And God's called you to do it. You can try to run from it. But God's called you and called me to do it. Amen? Let's pray. Father, thank you for truth. Thank you for the challenge of our heart. Help us to overcome barriers and to be your witnesses. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Have a good rest of the week.